Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church from in Chicago. Welcome back to my sermon podcast. It's been a couple of weeks since I have been recording anything, and I'm looking forward to this new sermon series uh, that will start this week, and I'll tell you about that in a moment. But first, let's read the passage, the scripture passage that we'll be focusing on today. This comes from the book of 1 Kings in the New Testament, or Old Testament. Sorry, 1 Kings 19, and then verses 1 through 16. Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a message to Elijah, saying, So may the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life like the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid. He got up and fled for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah. He left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, Get up and eat. He looked, and there at his head was a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. He ate and drank and lay down again. The angel of the Lord came a second time, touched him, and said, Get up and eat, otherwise the journey will be too much for you. He got up and ate and drank. Then he went in the strength of that food forty days and forty nights to Horeb, the mount of God. At that place he came to a cave and spent the night there. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, throw down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. He said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Now there was a great wind, so strong that it was splitting mountains and breaking rocks and pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a sound of sheer silence. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Then there came a voice to him that said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He answered, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the Israelites have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left, and they are seeking my life to take it away. Then the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Also you shall anoint Jehu, son of Nimshai, as king over Israel. And you shall anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, of Abelablah as prophet in your place. May God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So I was reading or came across a book the other day called uh, a photo book called Conventional Wisdom by an author named, a photographer named Arthur Drucker. Uh, He took a picture, took pictures of conventions. Um, each year, the Convention Industry Council says that there are about 1.8 million conventions and conferences and trade shows in the United States. And Drucker was really interested in this and then tried to find uh, different, as unique of conventions and gatherings as possible. So he found some like the Association of Lincoln Presenters, the World Clown Association, the World Taxidermy Championships, uh, Vent Haven, this is for ventriloquists when they gather together. I'll put a link up on the Podbean page so you can take a look at his own um, website, uh, Arthur Drucker's uh, uh, website. 
What was interesting is this quote that he gave that's also on his website. It says this, The wisdom I have gained from this project has shown me that regardless of what they're about, where they're held, or who attends them, all conventions satisfy a basic human urge, the, long, the longing for belonging. The conventioneers have each other, and that's all they need. An attendee I met at the taxidermist convention expressed it best. This isn't a convention, he said. It's a family reunion. I would imagine there's a sense of relief among some of the folks who attend these gatherings. I would also imagine that the statement, I thought I was the only one, has been heard more than once. So we're starting this new sermon series this week about mental health called A Beautiful Mind. And in this sermon series, we're talking about the awareness of mental health and how it integrates into our faith lives. Mental health and Christianity haven't always had the best of relationships, and there's still some stigma in both fields today if you marry one with the other. If you're a Christian and you admit to seeing a therapist, there may be some who believe, well, you're just not praying hard enough. God should be all that you need. Or if you're in the psychiatry or psychology field and you're a Christian, there may be some who question what you're teaching or that you're leaning on something that's outdated. Christianity, that's not science. Clearly, I am not a trained psychiatrist or psychologist, but in fact, at our worship service on September 24th, we're going to have a, a, call or a panel of folks talking from these fields talking about mental health and faith. And faith. But what we want to do over these next three Sundays is to explore both of these fields and how indeed they can be integrated toward one another. In the worship service, I'll be showing a video, a brief one-minute video, and again, I'll put a link to this on the Podbean page for from the National Alliance on Mental Illness that talks about depression and what happens in depression. I think sometimes... Depression can be something that people still think that you can just get over if just think happier thoughts or maybe keep a gratitude journal. Both of these things are not bad, but I think sometimes we still don't have a full understanding of something like depression, that it is illness. It's not just something that a person can try harder and that they can get over or find healing so what does the Bible have to say about depression? I was interested, one translation that I often use in my devotions is called the Common English Bible. And there were, I typed in the word depressed or depression and it came up with more than I thought. Often when it comes to raw human emotions, the Psalms are a great place to go. And in fact, there were a couple of verses that jumped out at me. Psalm 31, 9 says this, the psalmist is saying, have mercy on me, Lord, because I'm depressed. My vision fails because of my grief, as do my spirit and my body. Notice here what's happening to this psalmist. It's not just that his spirits are deflated, but this is having an effect on his physical health too. Psalm 42.5, why, I ask myself, are you so depressed? Why are you so upset inside? Hope in God. Because I will again give him thanks, my saving presence and my God. I think there's two ways to read this. On the one hand, you could see it as the person is asking themselves, why are they depressed? And then they remember, oh, I need to hope in God. That's where I will find my saving presence. But I think another way perhaps to read this, and I think some feel this way too, is when they are feeling depressed or um, feeling particularly down, and then they 
are hard on themselves and they go, why am I feeling this way? I, I should believe or I have a good life. Why am I feeling these things? These things, And then they make it uh, even harder on themselves. Finally, from Lamentations 3.20, he says, I can't help but remember and am depressed. So the passage that we're reading and reflecting on today talks a little bit about this too. To give this a little bit of context, the prophet Elijah is on the run. He has spoken words of truth and judgment to King, King Ahab of Israel, and his wife, Queen Jezebel, for worshiping other gods. In 1 Kings 18, there was a contest of sorts between Elijah and the priests of Baal. This is the god that Jezebel was worshiping. Elijah wins this contest, does not make Jezebel happy. Now, sometimes when we look at the Bible, I think occasionally we may, or maybe more than occasionally, we think of the Bible as this book that falls from the sky, like on a little golden parachute that comes fluttering down from the clouds and lands in our hands. But the Bible was written by humans, and I think that makes it delightfully and staggeringly human. As we see already in these passages, these verses from the Psalms, and today we see the same thing. Who hasn't felt what Elijah has felt? Verse 4, he says, or it says, But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a solitary broom tree. He asked that he might die. It is enough now, Lord. Take away my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. Obviously, we cannot go back and diagnose Elijah. We don't know if he was suffering from clinical depression. But I think there's little doubt that trauma is involved here, understandably so, in his life. And he conjures up thoughts of ending his own life or desiring the end of his own life. We see this too, interestingly, in the life of Jesus. Again, looking at the common English Bible and their translation, there's the story of Jesus praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that perhaps the end is near for him. He gathered some of his friends to pray with him. And in Matthew 26, 38, Jesus says, I feel like dying. Even Jesus. We don't know if this is something that he literally meant, or whether this was an exaggeration just because he was so distraught. Regardless, these thoughts pop up in the scriptures as they do in our own minds today. But I hope in the midst of this sermon series, and as we look at the scriptures and and realize that if you or a loved one is suffering from depression or struggling with mental health, mental illness, that you'll see passages like this, and then you can hopefully say to yourself, and maybe this helps a little bit, I'm not the only one. And that's hard because so often in our society, there are messages that say we shouldn't feel that way. There are others who will try to, sometimes with good uh, intentions, to cheer you up. I remember when I was young, probably 23 or 24, and I was attending a church And I was asked to lead a retreat, a prayer retreat. And uh, as people were gathering for the day, um, I had to ask them, well, use, I had an array of markers for their name tags. And I had asked them, I said, why don't you write, use the marker that matches your mood for today as you're coming into this. Now, in my somewhat naive a very uh, optimistic mind. I figured people would use red, orange, purple. And as people were doing this, a woman stood there and just looked at all the markers. 
And she says, I don't see gray here. Now, in my own 23-year-old mind, I had no idea what to do with that. And I think I probably said, oh, come on, try this uh, blue one or something else. She was feeling gray. And I wanted none of that at this prayer retreat. You are not alone. When you have these thoughts and feelings, you are not alone. You know, when I read this passage about Elijah, and I think about what the response is from God and how God plays into this, when we have these feelings, when we struggle with depression or mental illness, but when I read this passage from Elijah, often I will focus on the end. That's where I think if you've heard this passage before, many people focus on the end of the passage because uh, that's where a lot of people find comfort because God does not come to Elijah in the fire. God does not come to Elijah in the wind. God comes in the silence. And for those who sometimes want the big to-do from God that says, this is where I am, and this is how I am working in your life, knowing that God also comes in the silence can be comforting. But as I was reading the passage this week, what struck me was not that latter part of the passage, which is where I usually go, but instead I was struck by God's response right after Elijah expresses his desire for his life to be over. When he says to God, take away my life, this is what happens next. Then Elijah lay down under the broom tree and fell asleep. Suddenly an angel touched him and said to him, get up and eat. Get up and eat. It seems to me that when people are struggling with depression or mental illness, often the small tasks are the things that help them get back to a fuller sense of mental health. It's not that you will all of a sudden be quote-unquote cured in 24 hours, but instead there are small things that can happen in their lives that can lead them toward this uh, road to, to health. I mentioned in a sermon a few weeks ago about a, one of our prisoners at Wicker Park, his name is Ty, and he put on Facebook that he also struggles with depression. And on his Facebook status, he put, I I made my bed today. And for him, that was one small step. And maybe God kind of gets this to Elijah. Let's not start with like full health to be able to, on a dime, turn and be this prophet who leads people. Instead, let's start with eating. And the angel of the Lord says it twice. Get up and eat. Let's start here. And then what this passage, I think, also perhaps can remind us, even though we may know it in our, in our heads or we've heard it before, but instead it reminds us, hopefully, that God is never far. I was listening to a podcast the other day by the show This American Life, and the theme of This American Life, or this particular episode, was who you're going to call. And that the theme was all the different stories they did circled around or centered around when everything goes wrong. One of the first things that we think is, who do I, who do I call? I've got this thing going on in my life. Where do I go? 
And they focused on a couple of three different segments. One of them was focused on a story about several years ago. There was an overnight DJ in in New York and someone who was contemplating suicide called. For him, for that man who was contemplating suicide, who am I going to call? Who am I going to reach out to? It was this guy that he hears on the radio. The segment that also struck me was the host for this episode, a radio producer named Sean Cole. And he talked about the loss that he was feeling because his mother had passed away. And he talked about an interesting thing that had happened. Then he felt like the need to call his stepfather every week. Now, he and his stepfather had a fine relationship before his mother died, but instead it was he would call his mother, and even then he would call his mother sporadically, and his step or his mother would say, do you want to talk to Ed? That's a stepfather. And usually Sean and Ed would either, if they did talk to one another, it would be very brief conversations. But after his mother died, he said he found himself calling Ed every week, at least once. And he became dependent on these phone calls. His stepfather, with whom he didn't necessarily have a terribly close relationship, was the one that he was reaching out to. And then he talked to, when he was talking to his stepfather, when he was talking to Ed, he said he felt like he wasn't honoring his mother enough, like he needed to do something. He needed to think more about her. And his stepfather suggested perhaps a ritual. He said, take a photograph of your mother and just move it to a different place in your apartment every single day. This is a way of kind of holding and remembering and Sean talked about it, and he said, that well, I love that idea. But then he continues, Sean continues to reflect, and he says, well, I've already got, indeed, I've already got a ritual. And it's Ed. And then Sean said, maybe you've got somebody like that, a personal ghostbuster when there's something strange in the neighborhood, when things are looking their worst that person who will know what you're talking about, even if they can't understand what you're saying. And all you've got to do is call. I don't think I've ever said that God is your personal ghostbuster in a sermon before. And I know how hard that is and how trite it can be because people will say, well, just reach out to God. Just reach out to God. God is there for you. And that is sometimes easier said than actually lived out because we swirl around and thoughts swirl around in our heads and they may say God either doesn't care or that I can't reach out to God at this point. And maybe it's not God for you right now, but we hope throughout this, this series that certainly that there's somebody in your life that you can reach out to no matter where you are or who you are. There is someone that you can call and reach out to. Hopefully at Urban Village, we say it's us. Or if you're listening to this, certainly you can reach out to me. But I hope and pray and we want to convey the message that that can also be God. The one who knows that sometimes things are best done in small steps. So in those moments when you might think to yourself, I am the only one who thinks these things, you can also hear somewhere the message no you're not the psalmist did jesus did god knows these things god wants you to reach out and god will be also working in your life so that you can be reminded of that everlasting presence who will sometimes simply just say 
get up and eat. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening today uh, and for continuing to tune in. If you want to reach out to me, please do so. Um, I'm at Chris at UrbanVillageChurch.org or on Twitter, I'm at Christian Kuhn. Uh, and I'm always happy to stay connected to folks, particularly as we go through this sermon series. Um, and if you want to uh, learn more about what I'm doing in addition to these sermon podcasts, you can go to my website, ChristianKuhn.com. There you can buy my new book, Feeling Boldly, or listen to the other podcasts that I'm doing and reflecting and, and having conversations with folks, particularly around the theme of failure. Until next week, friends, um, may the peace of Christ be with you.